Today we're going to start uh, part two of our bodybuilding series. And no, this isn't about getting ripped for the summer. This is about uh, building up the body of Christ. And so um, when it comes to the body, you know, last week we looked at this. We looked at being part of a team is, is, is really something that God uses to teach us about unity. It's something that God uses to teach us about humility, not thinking of ourselves too highly. It's something that God uses to actually grow in us maturity into Christ-likeness. And when we talk about the body, we realize the body is made up of different members. I don't know if you remember reading from 1 Corinthians 12, and there's kind of this humorous line that Paul goes into. What if the whole body were an ear? Then where would the sense of smell be, you know? Um, The point that Paul is making is that there's diversity in the body, you know? Different parts of the body do different things, serve different functions, and that's how God designed it. Today we're going to be talking about that and maybe uh, with a little bit more specific focus on something called spiritual gifts. Now just by a show of hands, how many of you have ever heard of the phrase spiritual gifts before? Yeah? Spiritual gifts. Okay, so for some of us this is familiar territory. For others of us this is completely unfamiliar. And I, I, I would imagine that when you even hear that phrase... Um, there's some kind of mis- mystery behind it. So there, there might be a, a mystical dynamic, like a gift from the Spirit. You know, <laughs> this is not something that I can unwrap, like the picture might indicate. This is something that God gives me. And da- what is this? Spiritual gifts. That's what we want to explore today. We want to take away all the mystery from it. We're, trying to, we're just going to look at some basic facts, six basic observations, six basic facts about spiritual gifts. Does that sound good today? Yeah? Because if we understand this, then we understand our place in the body and how we function as a team. Let's, um, let's pray together before we open up to 1 Corinthians 12. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're going to uh, open up this Bible here. This is stuff that maybe we've studied before, haven't even thought of before. It's like not even close to our radar. And so we ask, God, that your Holy Spirit would teach us, that you would instruct us, And lead us in the way that we should go. Help us to understand what these spiritual gifts are. So we know our fit in the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, let the family say, Amen. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't know how many of you have ever uh, participated in team sports. Um, But when I was growing up in high school... Uh, we had um, football. We, actually, our, our school had flag football. So it was a little less uh, insurance liabilities there. Uh, <laughs> but there was something about football. Uh, actually, my, my favorite team sport was volleyball. We had a guys volleyball team growing up. And this was really fun. There's something about team sports that where everybody knows their fit, everybody knows their function on the team. You see it happening. It's, like a, it's, it's almost like music in action. Like you, you see this orchestra of talent and physical ability. For those of you who are NBA fans, watching the Golden State Warriors is something uh, like you see each person. This guy is not, not a Golden State Warriors. <laughs> Anyways, whatever, whatever it is that you appreciate, you can appreciate at least the concept of a team working together. Not just, uh, just dumping all the energy and effort upon one individual to carry them across the finish line, so to speak. While that may be heroic, there's something beautiful about everybody having a certain function, playing a role. That's where this idea of role players and superstars and things like that kind of comes in. But here's the thing. When it comes to the body of Christ, could it be that everyone 
has a functional role on the team. Let's, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. If you're there, go ahead and say amen. All right? We're going to understand spiritual gifts in the context of how it builds up the body. But in order to understand it, we need to just kind of get the basic facts. We're going to start in verse 7. All right? No, I'm sorry. Starting in verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, and verse 7 is going to be our main focal point for the morning. I'm reading from the New King James Version, and it says this. There are diversities of gifts, but the same who? Same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. In other words, you see people doing different things. You see people functioning in different ways, but it's the same Spirit, the same God. In other words, they're on the same team. And in verse 7, here's kind of our focus passage for the day. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. All right, we're just going to kind of go at this verse, uh, chewing on it for the next 25, 30 minutes or so. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. There are probably uh, more than I've counted, but I'm going to list out six basic facts about spiritual gifts from this verse alone. All right, so the first fact is spiritual gifts are a manifestation, all right? That's what the New King James says right there, but uh, does anybody else's Bible say it differently, but the manifestation of the Spirit? Does anybody else have a different translation there? All right, so uh, observation number one, spiritual gifts are a manifestation. Something that is manifested is something that is revealed, something that is made evident, made clear. In fact, the Greek word, it it literally means to illumine. Something is is kind of being brought light to. So spiritual gifts on the outside, what we do spiritually out here, is actually tangible evidence of something on the inside. Namely, it's a manifestation of the spirit, right? So whatever spiritual gifts are, we're going to get more detailed here in just a little bit. Whatever spiritual gifts are, it's revealing something about the Holy Spirit actually being present in a believer. Okay? So when you see spiritual gifts being used, you know that's an indication. It's It's a spotlight on the fact that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in somebody. Do we follow? Yes or no? It's a manifestation. It's a revelation. It's an expression. Okay? All right. Observation number two. Uh, we've already kind of said it. It's a manifestation of the Spirit. So spiritual gifts are of the Spirit. In other words, where do spiritual gifts come from? Spiritual gifts come from, according to this, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. It's interesting. Spiritual gifts are not only a manifestation about the Holy Spirit, but from the Holy Spirit. It identifies not just the subject of that revelation, but the source of it too. When I look at this, I realize that spiritual gifts are not self-generated. You know, um, maybe you've thought about spiritual gifts in terms of what you're naturally good at, you know, what your natural abilities are. And while some of that may be true, there's a, there's a line we don't want to get confused. It's important to realize that even if these are skills that I have, they are not inherent to myself. They've actually been sourced from someone else. I may have a, or you may have a knack for, um, for tactile things, for putting things together, for understanding how things kind of fit mechanically. 
And you may think, hey, I'm a a natural genius when it comes to hands-on things. But really, that natural thing is a supernatural thing. It's from the Spirit. You follow that? Yes or no? Yeah? Okay, so spiritual gifts are a manifestation, not a manifestation of your great skill, but a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in you. That's of the Spirit. Okay? So, and I think that's why the very next thing is there in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is what? Is given. Is given. In other words, it's not generated. It's given. Okay, so third observation, spiritual gifts are gifts. <laughs> Plain and simple, spiritual gifts are gifts. They've been given to you. They've been granted to you. You didn't just mine them out of yourself. God gave them to you. I want to cross-reference here. So kind of put a finger here or a bookmark or something in 1 Corinthians 12. We'll go back to this verse. This is going to be our, our pillar passage today. But go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. This is really awesome. Ephesians is just a little bit to the right. So you've got 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, then a little letter called Galatians, and then Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. I want us to understand this idea of spiritual gifts being gifts. (laughs) And I think Ephesians 4 helps us explain it a little bit more. If you're there, say amen. Ephesians 4? All right. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 7. But to each one of us, what was given? Grace. Okay. By the way, the Greek word for gifts and spiritual gifts, that phrase, is actually the same root word as grace. It's charisma. Charis, okay? So when it says that uh, we've been given spiritual gifts, you could almost translate it as spiritual grace. All right, so verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. This is quoting from a psalm that's referring to a messianic prophecy that that when Jesus died, he would actually raise from the dead and the resurrected Christ would do what? Would ascend. Would ascend on high. But according to this psalm, what would happen when Jesus ascended? When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. In other words, death, the grave that held people captive. Death itself is being captivated, okay? I love that. Jesus is like, ah, man, I got a prisoner now with me. And that prisoner is sin and death. But what does he do in addition to that? When he ascends on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. That because of Jesus' resurrection and ascension, he can give us spiritual gifts. You follow? Yes or no? Yeah? So spiritual gifts are gifts. uh, Let's say two, two... specific things about these gifts. One, they are gifts of grace. Okay? They're gifts of grace. They're undeserved. They're totally unmerited. You know, you see someone exercising a spiritual gift. Man, what did they do to get that spiritual? No, that's not it. God gifted them with it. It was a grace thing, totally undeserved, unmerited. It wasn't dependent upon what they did, but what God chose If I consider myself a recipient of grace to save me, then what's awesome is that I can also consider myself a recipient of God's grace to use me to save others. I am also a recipient of God's grace to serve in the body and use my spiritual gifts. Again, there's an assumption, uh, just kind of going back to that thought that 
my spiritual gift is simply what I'm good at. Um, While there often is overlap between our natural skills and our natural abilities, I think we can look at the Bible and find that there are times when God calls people to do things that are beyond their natural skill and ability. Have you noticed that to be true? Uh, Maybe you remember the story of Moses. But but, 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 but I I can't talk, Lord. (laughs) Right? You want me to go in front of Pharaoh? Sometimes God calls us to things that we're not good at. And that's why they're gifts from the Spirit. God doesn't call us to things that we are naturally... uh, Sorry, God doesn't only call us to things that we are naturally attuned with or aligned with. That's why they're gifts from the Spirit. They're gifts of grace to do things that we absolutely need God's grace to accomplish. So they're given to us. They're given to us. Grace that makes God's strength perfect in our weakness. The other thing about gifts, spiritual gifts being given to us, especially from this passage, is that, again, looking at verse 8, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. This is a picture, like in that time period, when kings would conquer a land, they would go on a, they would return home, you know, from their victorious warfare. They would return home with prisoners in their train, so to speak. And they would return home, with, uh, uh, there would be this grand celebration. Oh, the king has returned, the general has returned, or whoever it would be. And as they're, they're walking back into town, they've got prisoners in their train, and they're giving out gifts to people. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've won the day. And what, what the Bible is saying here is that when Jesus goes back home, when he's ascending on high, he's got a captive, he's got a prisoner, that's sin and death, but he's also giving gifts along the way. And those gifts are the Holy Spirit's spiritual gifts. It's awesome. So really these gifts are not just gifts of grace, but they're gifts of a risen and triumphant king. It's it's a beautiful picture of the resurrected Christ, like a victorious warrior king who's giving his gifts to his citizens. I mean, this is powerful theology, really. When you think about spiritual gifts being gifts of a risen king, that means when you and I opt and say, yes, I will exercise these spiritual gifts, I will actually use and employ these spiritual gifts, you know what's happening? It's a manifestation of the Spirit But it's revealing to us, it's giving evidence of the fact that Jesus is king. When Moses said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and walk forward in this calling, even though I don't necessarily feel good at it, when he actually accomplished it, it wasn't to spotlight himself. It was to spotlight the fact that there was someone sitting on the throne of his heart, the risen king. When you exercise your spiritual gifts to serve other people, to bless other people, to communicate the gospel to other people, you know what's happening? You're not just drawing attention to yourself. You're revealing to the world that there is a risen savior and he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Do you follow? Spiritual gifts being given to us is an opportunity to reveal to the world through action and word that there is a savior who lives on high. And he's able to give grace to broken vessels like me to be used to have saving impact in someone else's life. That's a gift. That's a gift. So spiritual gifts are a manifestation. Spiritual gifts are of the Spirit, and they are given. Now, this is actually really cool. Let me just, before we move on to the last three observations about spiritual gifts, 
the fact that God is the giver here is really cool. Um, you think about what this says about God, especially in a culture where uh, the, the popular kind of uh, worldview of paganism was that I bring gifts to the deity in order to appease that divine being, right? In a culture where Paul was, you know, the, the Corinthian city, um, that that's area of Greek culture and just kind of the, the pantheon of gods, so to speak, people were used to this idea of bringing gifts to appease a divine being. But here, Paul is writing and saying, no, God is giving you gifts. God is the giver. There's something really cool here. Um, I was reading this in a NIV illustration commentary. It says this, Pagans might consider what they could do for the deity through offering sacrifices and making dedications in a sanctuary. But in Christian terms, it is God, through the Holy Spirit and through Jesus Christ, who equips his church. God isn't just interested in what you give him. God is the giver. When it comes to spiritual gifts, he wants to gift you. He wants to pour out his grace upon you. Something I hope we never get confused as we seek to build the body, as we seek to function as a body and exercise our spiritual gifts. Our ministry is never about what I can do to appease God. Oh, I better say yes to volunteering for vacation Bible school or whatever because then I'll, I'll put in my, my card in the time clock and I, I'm good, okay? I've, I've paid my dues, so to speak. No, no, no. Ministry, volunteerism, serving in the body of Christ is never about just kind of making God happy. Serving in the body of Christ is actually being on the receiving end of what God is giving to us. Our ministry is really about what God gives, what he supplies to us for the salvation of others through us. Our ministry is about what God supplies to us for the salvation of others through us. Which transitions us to the, the, the natural question of, okay, what are spiritual gifts for then? All right, so if spiritual gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit and they are given to us, what are they for? They're for the blessing of others. Spiritual gifts are for the blessing of others. Go back to 1 Corinthians if you still have your bookmark there. 1 Corinthians 12. Back to verse 7. And we're just really taking verse 7 kind of word by word, phrase by phrase here. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for what? For the profit of all. Maybe your Bible says for the benefit of all. That's why we're saying that spiritual gifts are for the blessing of others. In other words, spiritual gifts are never for you to feel better about yourself. (laughs) Spiritual gifts are never about you saying, Oh, okay, I've got this position in the church. Spiritual gifts is not to satisfy or stroke your ego. Spiritual gifts are about other people. They're for blessing other people. It's not supposed to be a means of establishing a a spiritual or a Christian caste system, a Christianized hierarchy of who is better or more important. The Greek word here about, uh, where is it, in verse 7, for the profit of all, it's actually a word that means bring together. Interesting. The the word literally means bringing together so everyone can enjoy it. Like today, uh, we're bringing together a whole bunch of food so everybody can enjoy a meal. For the profit of all, not just so that 
uh, one person can eat. Maybe the dads should eat. I'm kidding. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a bringing together. The, the Holy Spirit is giving all these gifts out, not just so that one person can be on a pedestal and other people cannot, but so that all of it can be brought together so that everyone can be blessed. The purpose of spiritual gifts is not to distinguish or separate one another, but to give us each a unique contribution that when we do bring it together, it's better together. And the implication is this, that your spiritual gifts by themselves, they might be great. Your spiritual gift of communicating, your spiritual gift of, of, of doing and, and really working things, to get, putting things together, those might be great, but by themselves, they don't have as great an impact as they do when they're brought together. Those chips might be tasty, but when you put it with the rest of the ingredients for a haystack, oh, then you've got gourmet food, right? (laughs) That cheese sauce might be pretty yummy, but when you top it with some guacamole and salsa, then you got... So so here's the gift. Your spiritual gifts might be awesome, but they're even better together. That's why it's for the profit, for the bringing together of all. Hence, that's why we're talking about bodybuilding. Our spiritual gifts are nice when they stand alone, but they result in maximum saving impact when we bring them together. Spiritual gifts are, the, are for the blessing of others with others. If all the spiritual gifts are for the blessing of others with others. All right, so spiritual gifts are for the blessing of others. The last one, or second to last here, spiritual gifts are for all believers individually. Wow, do you believe this? Is everybody, is everybody in the body of Christ given spiritual gifts? That's what this is saying. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to most of believers. No, no, no. Is given to each one, right? Each one for the profit of all. Actually, if you skip on down to verse 11, to verse 11 after... You know, Paul kind of lists some of those spiritual gifts, the gift of faith, the gift of healings, the gift of miracles and prophecy and tongues and things like that, interpretation of tongues. In verse 11, it says this, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to how many people? To each one individually. I like that. Distributing to each one individually as he wills. This is awesome. In verse 11, where it says to each one individually, the Greek word is idios. That's not the word that we get idiot from. It's the, it's the word that we get like idiosyncrasy. Like it's unique to that individual. It's uniquely one's own, peculiar to the individual. There's a different word that the Greek uses for, um, you know, something that's my own. But idios is uniquely my own. Like it's specially niched and carved, tailor-made almost. This word is stronger. It's more emphatic. It's personal. It's private. In other words, your spiritual gifts, whatever they are, when the Holy Spirit gives that to you, they're uniquely yours. That's like, I mean, others might have similar gifts or gifts that, that are really the same gift, but, but it's almost as if each spiritual gift has its own fingerprint its own uh, uniqueness to you. Others may have similar gifts in similar categories or use in similar avenues of ministry, but still, your gifts are you. Your gifts are uniquely yours. There's a personal touch to each of the spiritual gifts that God has given us. And I think that kind of moves us into the next uh, observation here. If we're still in verse 11, 
But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually. And what is that last phrase? As he wills. God wills it. That's, that's, that's a huge thing. So spiritual gifts are assigned by the Holy Spirit. It's God's design. Not mine, not anyone else's. You may want to serve God in this capacity. You may want to do that. You may want to do this. But it's God's desire, God's will that matters most. Um, Actually, go back to Ephesians. I should have had you keep a bookmark there too. (laughs) Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Actually, I wonder if I have this on the screen. I do. Awesome. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. If you're familiar with the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is talking about how grace works, that we're saved by grace, not of works, lest anyone should boast, right? We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And then he says this, kind of at the crescendo of his thought, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Just lock your eyes on this for a little bit. Let your heart chew on this for a second. If you've ever wondered how to serve God, if you've ever wondered, man, could I do this for other people? Could I do this to bless the church? Could I do this to share the gospel? This verse tells me that there are some things that, you know, we can dream of, but God dreamt of them first. Look at it again. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's something about serving God that oftentimes we feel like we're being told to do things by other people. Um, But the reality is that God has actually created something just for you to do. That's why I like this word, for we are his workmanship. That's that's an artist. That's an artist's word, right? It's an artistic thing. God has shaped. God has carved. God has spent hours and effort to make something uniquely out of you. We are his workmanship. I would submit that we are not just God's work of art, but that we are constantly his work of art. (laughs) That we are still under construction, so to speak. That we are progressively being shaped by the Holy Spirit. What's, uh, you know, back in, in 1 Corinthians 12, when it said that uh, one and the same Spirit works all these things, what stood out to me yesterday as I was just kind of reviewing and studying this is the reality that it says, distributing to each one individually as he wills. That all of these words about God working all these things and distributing all these things, he says it in the present tense. Did you notice that? He's distributing as he wills. Um, Man, I, I don't know if this makes sense. It's not that he distributed as he willed, but that he's distributing. As he, like, as we're going along, God is shaping, God is gifting, God is giving. Something that I've observed is that, um, at least in my life, I've experienced what I would say are spiritual gifts. Um, for example, the gift of, of communicating or teaching, Okay. I mean, this isn't about, like, tooting my own horn or whatever. But I just want to use this as an example that there are times where I've experienced that gift in greater degree 
and in lesser degree. There are t- in other words, man, how should I say this? <laughs> that, that I've experienced different strengths in different contexts. There was a time where, um, where I was serving with a five-person evangelism team. It was a youth evangelism team out in California. It was an awesome thing. I considered myself a decent speaker, you know, someone that could explain the Bible to other people, especially to young people. I had a heart for young people and really making it clear to people. But when I was assembled with this team, I noticed that there were gifts similar to mine, but even greater than mine. (laughs) And it wasn't about feeling bad and humbled and like, oh man, shucks, you know, that kind of thing. It was about recognizing, you know what? God is gifting this individual with this strength. Maybe I can invest in other strengths and pay attention to the ways that God might be using me otherwise. And so during that time period where I thought, you know, going into that ministry role, I thought that I was going to be using my teaching strength a lot. God actually cultivated a strength of organizing and, and administrating. Does that make sense? Yeah? In different contexts, we experience different strengths. Sometimes it's due to the other parts of the body. Which is why spiritual gifts are never to be just kind of considered in isolation. They're really better together. When we clarify our giftedness in one season of life, it doesn't necessarily mean that it will always be our giftedness in every season of life. So I don't know, maybe some of you have seen a spiritual gifts assessment. Have you seen that before? Like a little, uh, kind of a survey, 90 questions, 120 questions survey about different scenarios and stuff. And you come out and you calculate your scores. And you, oh man, I have the gift of encouragement. I have the gift of hospitality. I have the gift of helps or whatever that case. You know what? That might be true now, but at a different time, in a different place, around different people, something else might be your strength. Does that make sense? God is distributing, present tense. This workmanship is a, is a, is a continuous, continual uh, work of art. So really, when it comes to identifying spiritual gifts, here's the, here's the big implication. When it comes to identifying spiritual gifts, it's really about paying attention to what God is up to in our lives. It's not just listening to an assessment. Do you follow? Don't, don't get me wrong. Assessments are nice. They'll, they'll kind of give direction and things like that. But really, it's about paying attention to the workmanship of the Holy Spirit in your life. Identifying spiritual gifts is about paying attention and listening. What is He giving uh, to us? How is He shaping us? So when I'm paying attention to what God is up to, let me suggest that when we start paying attention to, to okay, what is the Holy Spirit working in me for good works that he prepared beforehand that I should walk in, what, what should I be looking for? Um, I'm going to share with you three things here. Things to look for. Uh, first, abilities and strengths. Okay, we've kind of already hit on it, but the reality is that, um, so like if you're, if you're asking yourself, man, what, how do I identify my spiritual gifts? How do I, how do I start kind of figuring out the works that I should walk in, so to speak? Ask yourself three questions. The first question is this. What skills or abilities or strengths has God given to me? Or will God give to me? Right? <laughs> like Moses. I, 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 I can't talk. I will be with your mouth, Moses. Right? So what abilities has God given to me or will God give to me? That's part of paying attention. Okay, so if I'm trying to assess, man, what is the Holy Spirit up to? Ask yourself, what are the skills that God has given me or will give? continue to shape in me. 
A second, uh, second thing to look for, a second factor, if you will. Needs, needs. Ask yourself, what needs has God made me particularly sensitive to? Are there particular needs that show up on your radar? Like you see that happening in your neighborhood or in your family and other people don't seem to either see it or care? Have you noticed that? Like there are certain things that really kind of like prick your heart and kind of stir you and even get you out of your seat. But then for the person that's sitting right next to you, they, they could care less about it. That's not a matter of judgment. Why don't you, you know, that's just because God wired you to be really sensitive to, you know, feeding somebody. Oh man, that person doesn't have enough of, someone might not care about that. They might care about, you know, how their hair looks or whatever. I I don't know. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) But here's the point. You are sensitive to certain things. That's a God-given thing. You pay attention to that. Why? Wait, that person isn't, like, he's sitting by themselves. I, I would hate to be eating my lunch by my... I'm gonna, you know, you're sensitive to emotional dynamics. Someone's sensitive to physical dynamics. You're sensitive to, um, well, I don't know. I don't need to kind of keep playing that illustration, but you get it. There are certain abilities God has given you. There are certain needs that God has, like, really put on your radar, okay? Here's a third dynamic, <clears throat> Ask yourself, what people, what people has God put on your radar? Are there certain kinds of people that God has given me a passion for or a burden for? Right? So this is really about identifying your spiritual gifts and the ways that God might want to apply those spiritual gifts. The good works that God has prepared beforehand for you to walk in, so to speak. These are, uh, if you will, um, this is really the, the primary kind of focus for identifying the gift itself. But then the red and the green circles are really about identifying the application of those gifts. You felt? So it's like a fine-tuning, triangulating kind of thing. You know, you, you could add other circles to this where you can kind of find your sweet spot, so to speak. But, man, even other circles like your past experiences. You, you kind of look at your past experiences and you start noticing a trend of contexts or situations that God has put you in to exercise certain gifts or to shape certain gifts, and you start realizing, man, God keeps putting me in like group dynamics, small group, or God keeps putting me away in a corner in a cubicle somewhere to to focus on details and stuff. I don't know. Uh, You start looking at your experience trend. Another circle that you could add to this is even the people around you, like their affirmation. I don't know. Maybe you've had someone actually say something you know what, I've seen that you're really gifted. Like, you have a knack for A, B, C. Does that make sense? You use those things in your life to kind of figure out not just what your giftedness is, but how to apply your giftedness. I mean, you think about the tasks. You think about the abilities. You think about the needs. You think about the people that God wants to reach in this world. There are a lot, right? (laughs) I mean, for a population of upwards above 7 billion, whatever, there are a lot of people with a lot of needs. And they're all across the spectrum. Physical needs, emotional needs, relational needs, social needs, financial needs, spiritual needs. They're all across the spectrum. And I think this is why God needs a variety of gifts to minister to the variety of needs. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4, um, really just kind of unfolds that. 
It says, as each one has received a gift, minister it, minister that gift to one another as good stewards of what kind of grace? You see that there? Manifold. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. When I looked up the meaning of manifold, what it literally means is variety of color, like the rainbow, like the potluck that we're going to see today. It's a manifold, very colored grace. In other words, grace has many different shades when you look at it. Why is that? Because the complexity of humanity's need, the complexity of humanity's sin, is so much across the spectrum that God needs grace that, is, that has an even greater spectrum. And when he's talking about spiritual gifts, these gifts are so unique, so diversified, so like they're mixed in ways, com- combined in ways, in order to reach the spectrum of needs. You, you, if you were just to kind of imagine a, a spectrum of unbelief to belief, right? And then from belief to mature following after Jesus. Like it, along this whole spectrum, I mean, you can probably think of faces and names now along the spectrum identifying, wow, they're, they're unbelieving, but they're kind of open. But then there's this person that's just like way off and doesn't even want to talk about belief. You know, so you, you know of people who are on the spectrum of unbelief to belief to full maturity in Christ. And along the way, each individual, God sees them, And God sees that each individual is not going to respond to a cookie-cutter presentation of the gospel. You follow that? The person that's way on the um, obstinate side, the hostile side of unbelief, is not going to respond to the teaching gift that maybe a believer would respond to. The shepherding, the nurturing, oh, I need some encouragement. No, no. There are some barriers that need to be overcome. And you know what? I imagine that those with the, not so much the verbal communicative gifts, but the doing gifts are really the gifts that are ministering to the unbeliever on this side of the spectrum. There are people that need to see not just words, they need to see love in action. And those are the things that are going to take people on this end of the spectrum to the next step, where other gifts can minister to their needs. Very colored grace for very colored needs. Along the spectrum, each one is going to be responsive to a different kind of approach at different stages of faith. And that's why the body of Christ needs the manifold grace of God, the very colored gifts of each one assigned by the Holy Spirit. Man, there are some that only you can reach because of the uniqueness of your uh, your abilities, your, your, the, the needs that are on your radar, the, the people that you have in mind. There are some that you are uniquely gifted by the Spirit to have a saving impact upon. Man, what a privilege. What a calling to be God's workmanship. Do you believe that today? That, that you are being shaped by the Holy Spirit and being gifted and endowed from above to do works that only you can do? I mean, that, that's exciting to me. I don't know. Yeah, I see yeah. <laughs> if you believe it, the, the simple question is, will you walk in those works? Will you walk in it? And as we wrap up today, appeal number one, just two simple applications, I guess. Application number one is, man, if God is giving this grace, let's receive it. Let's receive it. 
You know, we, we, we sing about amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Man, yeah, we can receive saving grace. We're, we're familiar with that idea. But are we receiving grace to serve as well? God has given grace to be saved. God is also giving grace to serve. Believe that God has made saving grace available to all. Yeah, if, if I believe that God has great, made saving grace available to all, let's believe that God has made serving grace available to all too. Receive that grace. Believe that God has made serving grace to you, uh, available to you. If you want to say yes, let there be evidence of the risen king in your life as you use your spiritual gifts. It's going to put on display, it's going to manifest and bring to light the fact that there is a risen Savior. So receive God's grace. Grace to save, grace to serve. Receive God's grace today. The second application I would encourage you is to pay attention. Pay attention to the workmanship that God is doing in you. Pay attention to what God is up to right now in this season of life. Maybe you've paid attention before and said, you know what, yeah, my gift in, in, in that context for that group of people with, surrounded by that, those other gifts around me, my gift set was this, but maybe God is actually calling you into something where you can see gifts in advance or you know, walk by faith that these gifts will be strengthened and encouraged. Pay attention to what God is up to. Pay attention to the skills and strengths. Pay attention to the needs that God has put on your radar. Pay attention to the people that God has given you a heart for. How many of you today want to pay attention to what God is up to in your life? Amen. Yeah, God has works for you. And how many of you want to say today, yes, I, I want to receive not just saving grace, I want to receive serving grace too. Yeah? Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I want to thank you that you are the giver. You're the one who gives not just... Um, forgiveness to clear our conscience from past sins. You're also the God who gives the Holy Spirit that we could live an impactful life, a life on purpose, a life that is a work of art in heaven's eyes. And God, we just want to open our hearts. You saw our hands. You know our hearts. We want to open our hearts today and receive your saving and serving grace today. God, give us attentiveness. What are those skills that you are uniquely wiring us for, shaping in us? What are those needs that we are drawn to, the people that we have a burden for? Help us to listen. You're constantly at work. Help us to be constantly working alongside with you. I pray here that the community dynamics of our church family, that we would be able to uh, affirm one another and encourage one another to keep walking in works that maybe we didn't think we would walk in. Thank you so much for the body of Christ. We commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' saving name, let the family say, Amen. Amen.